What's up, everybody? Welcome to the world's best podcast with Jack and Reno. I'm Jack. And I'm Reno. And we're two dudes in our mid-20s who don't know shit, but are doing our best to figure this life thing out. We are so glad to have you along for the ride. Let's get it fired up! What's going on, everybody? We have a great episode in store for you today. It's me interviewing my buddy Patrick Benson, and uh, he's trying to make it in the world of basketball coaching. And he talks about his journey so far and his plans in the future and talks about what the inside of the NCAA looks like. You guys are going to love it. All right, Patrick, welcome. Excited to do this podcast? I am, man. Thanks for having me on. I know we've kind of joked in the past about me doing it, but yeah, I'm excited, man. So Wednesdays and Thursdays are your days off, huh? Wednesdays and Thursdays are my day off. Is that weird is... at all? Like during the week, like you're like, like that you're just offset from everybody? Yeah, it is weird. It's weird to think of a Tuesday as a Friday. So on Tuesday at work, I'm, I'm always very positive, but I'm especially positive every Tuesday because that's my Friday. Yeah. And then people are like, why are you so happy? And I'm like, oh, it's my Friday. And I just get, looks like I'm an idiot, but yeah. So, but you work later, right? So it's not like Friday, Saturday, people want to hang out. You're fine. You're just kind of joining after your shift. Yeah, it, it varies. Um, so the bar or the brewery that I work at, sometimes I open. And just so everybody knows, uh, Patrick is a bartender at, uh, what bar is it? Migration. Migration. Brewing. Yeah, we have three locations in Portland. One is a really cool rooftop, so there's my plug. Um, and yeah, so sometimes at Migration I'll open, which starts at like 9.30, you know, I'll get off at like 4. And then other times I'll, I'll start at like 4 and end at like 10. So it just kind of varies. It varies when I can hang out with people and stuff. Sweet, man, but that's... Uh... So, okay, because I want to talk about a lot is uh, your kind of college experience uh, working with the University of Oregon basketball team. And then um, your, uh, yeah, and then after that. So let's, so so you graduated high school and you, I remember talking to you, like it was, I think I was a senior, you were a freshman and you were trying hard to get on the, to become a team manager for the Oregon basketball team, right? Yeah, yeah, that was that was the goal. And it honestly, it started, like, before high school. I remember when I was – I think I was in, like, fifth grade. Um, it's it's interesting, but I was very self-aware, and I just realized that the writing – because I loved basketball. I always grown up with basketball. My entire family always played basketball. Um, but in, in fifth grade, I realized the writing was kind of on the wall of the whole, you know, everybody wants to play in the NBA, but – genetics weren't really on my side and so I kind of realized that um probably wasn't going to work out you know the, the fairy tale ending so when I was in the fifth grade I realized that I wanted to stay in basketball so I'd probably go you know the coaching route um and I got I got a ton of a ton of slack for it all throughout high school because I still played basketball but I didn't train as hard as everybody else my brother was super into basketball and he trained really hard and he would always want me to go work out with him and I never would and him and his friends would always make fun of me. My coaches would always make fun of me because I'd just sit at home, play video games, and not be that into it. But I kind of always knew. I kind of always knew. I was like, look, like, if I reach my pinnacle as an athlete, I'm going to be a below-average college D3 player, and that'll be it. So I kind of always knew I wanted to get into coaching. And in high school, again, I just wasn't a very good player, flat out. So I 
started coaching senior year of high school, and then yeah, but you played varsity. I mean, you're at Jesuit, and you guys did you, did you guys win state while you were there? Or? We won state while I was there. I never actually played varsity, so oh, I played okay. I played freshman, then I played JV two, and then I played JV my junior year, and um, <laughs> I, I always I always tell people this, and people don't believe me, but I I didn't get cut senior year. I quit. But I quit because I knew I wasn't going to play. Um, I was going to be, like, the last guy on the bench. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I, I'd rather just kind of start my career coaching-wise. So. Yeah, like the last couple minutes blow out one way or the exactly. other. Exactly, yeah, yeah, which would have been great. And I still supported the team. I went yeah. to every single home game, and, and I was still friends with all the guys on the team. I just knew that it wasn't it wasn't going to be the right move for me. So um, it was a tough choice. But, yeah, I decided to start coaching senior year of high school. Um, and then that, that led into me – working on um yeah like you said becoming manager at Oregon started my freshman year it's always funny to hear you talk about like being on you know JV at Jesuit when you know I went to college and at Oregon I went to Oregon State obviously and you have guys come from these small towns and then like talking about like how they're like varsity athletes in like all these sports and stuff and it's like yeah but like they had a hard time finding eight guys to be on the team. Yeah. It's just yeah. like it's like not the same. I'm not saying there's not really talented guys that don't come from those areas. It's just like saying that if you go to school with 200 people, it's not like it's just not. And you're made varsity. It's just not the same as others, like a, you know, big six A school. Or yeah, something. yeah. It's I mean, it's it's like with everything, yeah. it's all relative. Yeah, it's all about the situation you were in and stuff like that. Yeah. So then you go to Oregon. I remember so because you didn't have any like. Uh, connections to the team right really or I did I did have one connection so the connection that I had was was one of my good friends Michael Mueller his brother Chris was a manager and he was he was two years ahead of me so when I was a senior in high school he was a sophomore and he was a manager on the team so I obviously knew him very well as good family friends so I talked to him um, and he put me in contact with the director of operations who does the hiring for the managers and stuff and um, so that was that was kind of my in usually to get to get a job, especially at a high level school like Oregon, Oregon to get a manager job. You have to have a lot of connections. Yeah. Um, and you have to be connected to people in the program. So I, I had one. Um, but then it was just also about persistence. So what, so what does manager do? So managers, it, it's the best way I've heard it described is uh, – Jay Billis, we were talking to Jay Billis, the college basketball insider, and, and we were just talking because he's he's he loves managers, loves everything that we do, and he gets he gets how important of a job it is. So he described it as if if a college basketball program is a Ferrari, um, the outside of it's really nice, and that's the players to coach everything. The engine is the manager, so the the managers are kind of what makes it go. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the best way to describe it, I would say, to run you through a day. I mean, we get we would get there an hour and a half before practice starts. We would do the laundry for all the guys, all the coaches, make sure everybody had their shoes, had all the equipment and stuff. Um, and then we would set up practice, make sure practice was running smoothly, um, and then take everything down, do the laundry at the end of the night. I mean, we, my last two years, we traveled with the team, packed for all the road trips and stuff. So it's, it's literally all of the, the small things that you don't think about when you're watching a basketball game, everything that's behind the scenes are things that managers do. So to me, I kind of wonder, like, okay, how does an experience as a manager, like, how does that, I mean, obviously, I'm assuming the reason you did it is because it increases the probability that you can coach one day, and, and what, and I'm assuming, like, 
college level, NBA level? Like, what's your like dream job for coaching? Uh, it it changes a lot. When I was when I was in high school and when I was when I was a manager, my my dream was to be the head coach of Oregon by the time I was thirty five. Okay, yeah. And I would and I would openly tell people that. Um, and and it's what I wanted to do. Now and and I had a coaching job after Oregon too. Um, and so I was in the, I was in college basketball for six years. And in that six years, I, I just got burnt out. I just got burnt out with, uh, there's just a lot of stuff, but you know, that the atmosphere and, and working with the NCAA as an organization just kind of burnt me out. So right now my, my dream and what I'm still working for is, is actually the NBA and to be in the NBA front office. So that is my new, that's I, your goal right now. So I guess, yeah. When, okay. So when I'm looking at these positions, uh, it's hard for me to see the connection of how being a manager helps put you on that route you know it's like if uh if i'm looking at a company i want to join and say i want to be like like it seems like if i want to be the lead engineer it's like i'm not really going to be getting a lot closer if i you know go and i'm like say i want to be the lead engineer for apple like Mm. like like it's like well if i go work like tech support that's not really even the same yeah area so like and that's kind of what it feels like to me a little bit but i don't know a lot about it so like how is that is that a common path that people do is they go team manager and then it it is there's there's team managers at at all levels of basketball Uh, i mean there's a lot of head coaches in the ncaa there's a lot of gms in the nba there's a lot of front office people in the nba there's a lot of coaches in the nba i think the biggest thing for for being a manager is that it's the next best thing from playing basketball because you know, I, I talked about doing all the side work and all the stuff that goes with being a manager, but you're also in practice every single day, and you're at every single game, and you're hearing coach talk. So in every practice, time. are you like helping them run drills and shit? And you're, like- you're you're helping them run drills, but I think more importantly than that is is the biggest thing for me was to to literally just to be a sponge, and just to soak in everything. So while I'm you know worrying about guys getting water bottles and stuff like that, I'm also listening to Coach Altman. I'm listening to the other coaches. How are they talking? What are their philosophies? What are they going through? So do you get, like, whatever drama is going on the team? Are you, like, front and center? No. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there was – and and uh, my roommates in college can attest that there was a lot of things that came out about the team that I knew about weeks in advance, and I just had to keep my mouth shut. Like, what was uh, – what were one of the bigger bigger ones? Can you remember any? Were there any, like, players or that were, like, particularly, like, this guy's a problem? There <sighs> – I don't know. If, I don't know. Yeah, there, there were what you're allowed to disclose. Yeah, there's, there's still a lot of things that I can't, that I, I probably should not talk about. Um, there were a lot of really good players that we had yeah. that were really nice guys on and off the court. I'm close with, and then there were some players that just kind of made it tough to come into work every day. Um, I mean, I had good relationships with every players player I worked with. I think. I'm trying to rack my brain of any stories that I can tell. I mean, I think I think one of the one of the one of the stories that definitely stands out um, is Dylan Brooks was a guy who he's in the NBA right now, um, mm-hmm. and he was with us for for three years. And he he came in as kind of an unheralded guy. Nobody really knew who he was, and he just got he he just got, he just worked. He just worked his ass off and got really good. And um, he had a lot of fire and a lot of passion. You see that now in the NBA, but there was a practice um, where he <laughs> he it was on our way to the Final Four. So we're we're going to our Final Four on this of the year, and everybody is on mm-hmm. high alert, you know. And one of our other players on the team had a problem with not going hard in practice, and he wasn't going hard. And Dylan got in his face, and they had to be separated. 
and uh, it was it was just cool to see Dylan get into his face. But then as a manager, it turned bad when Dylan when they kicked Dylan out of practice and he's walking off the court and he takes this 10-gallon Gatorade jug that we made for practice <laughs> and he throws it on the court and Gatorade just goes everywhere. And so yeah, it was... And so at this level, these guys don't... You're cleaning up their mess. Exactly. And, and, and <laughs> to his credit, Dylan came back and apologized to us and it was out of, you know, it was out of passion. He wasn't trying to do it to us, but it was just one of those things where as, as a basketball fan... So and as there. As a ba- yeah, and as a basketball coach, I was so excited to see Dylan get that passionate. Um, and then as a manager, I was furious because I had to kill, uh, clean up 10 gallons of Gatorade. Yeah, and so then you left. Uh, so after, then after Oregon, you went to down to Florida A&M, right? Yeah, which is the, it's one plus one is two, right? You usually go from Eugene, Oregon to Tallahassee right after. Yeah, yeah. it makes a, yeah. a lot of sense. <laughs> Do you like it in Florida? I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know a lot. I mean, I know... I've heard about a lot of places in Florida. It sounds like a lot of these different cities are very different from each other. They are. They're very different. I I really like the South, and I like living in Florida. It is not – I lived in Tallahassee, and it's not the Florida that you think of. It's, it's not on the coast, is it? No. It's yeah. 30 minutes from the Georgia border. Yeah. It's an hour and a half is the closest beach. So it's it's not it's not Florida. It's like here in Oregon. Of. Not that the beach is comparable, but 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 it, it more or less it is. Yeah, I mean, it's just the distance. I mean, yeah, and it and it rains a ton. Um, it's it's muggy, um, but it was nice. I liked living in the South. It was a way different cultural experience, which I really mm-hmm. wanted. Um, and yeah, I learned a lot, and I would love to go live in the South again. I, I, I my time in Tallahassee kind of ran thin. I wasn't a huge fan by the end of my two years, but yeah. I liked living in the South, yeah. And so you were, what were you doing for them? I was, so I, I went directly from Oregon. Um, I spent a couple months up in Pennsylvania doing some basketball stuff, and then I flew down to uh, to Tallahassee to work with Florida a and I was their director of basketball operations um, and an assistant coach. So that was, first and foremost, it was uh, Coach Robert McCollum was an assistant at Oregon. Okay. When I was there, and then he took me down with him to Florida, and that's how a lot of the coaching world works. It's kind of with every with anything. It's all so about. So that's kind of why the manager thing helps is you really build these relationships and connections. Exactly, really exactly, the and then exactly, and then it's a lot about just timing. And it just so happened that he got that job right when I graduated, and I did a good job, and he wanted me to go with him. So it's just a lot of it's about timing. Um, but yeah, so I was I was director of operations, and which is essentially, it, it's it's a it's a it's similar to a manager role, but it's it's times ten, because my job was literally to direct an entire Division One college basketball program. So everything from I still did laundry because we didn't have a big staff, laundry, player, shoes, everything that small to managing our budget, booking our flights, booking our hotels. I mean, pretty much anything and everything you could think of. To so run then, what was what that. was the coaching part of it like then? So what were you doing on the coaching side? So on the coaching side, so I, I got lucky because typically you, especially out of college, you don't just jump into a director of operations yeah, role. We, as soon as you got that, like I heard about this job, I was like, holy shit, this sounds like yeah, kind of nuts. Yeah, like, yeah. I never would have expected that. I mean, I don't know a lot about that world, but like, it's just not the jump I would have expected. Yeah, that's, I, you, that was a big jump. You typically don't do that and you definitely don't jump from college directly to an assistant coaching job yeah so i got lucky in the sense that at florida nm we only had the budget to have two assistant coaches yeah so typically so you were allowed three three assistant coaches okay. so i just so happened to be lucky to where we could only afford two 
So then, therefore, I just got to be the third one. Yeah, the team's not super lucky, but, like... Well, well, but you know, nice. so, some yeah. some people would say that, and it was definitely... Well, I mean, I think they're fortunate that they <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely... Um, the basketball aspect was really challenging, because when I got there, um, I had just turned 22. Yeah. So I had just turned Jeez, 22 yeah. when I got there. And we had... When I got there, we had four players on the team who were older than I was. So that was challenging That's to... That's a weird power dynamic. Yeah, to... Especially because I hadn't done it any before, I had to prove myself yeah. to them. Especially to the older guys, I had to prove myself that I knew what I was talking about and I had their best interest in mind. Yeah. So that was a challenging dynamic that we had to get through. Um, and there were some strongly worded conversations that we had, um, but we got through it. Between and you and the players or the other coaches? Between me and the players. Um, yeah. The other coaches were fine. They understood what my ambitions were, what yeah. I wanted to do. The players did as well. They just had to come around to it. Yeah. Um, because as a whole, we were a new staff coming in. They so had you to go kind of in, you probably got to learn their offense style, right? Because I, I can't imagine before you started at Florida A&M, you had to, I mean, you probably know how a lot of NCAA teams work, but like I can't imagine you were super versed in Florida A&M's play style. So like, you gotta like probably learn their whole dynamic, and then so like, so when you're coaching, like, like what are you like? Are you are you are you making like offense adjustments? Like, what are you like? What are you doing? Yeah. So since we're in, in a completely new staff, I think that helped us, or that helped me in the sense that we were all learning as we went. Yeah. Because our other two assistant coaches had never worked with Coach McCollum before. None of our players had. Okay. So we're all learning his stuff at the same time. So, as far as the adjustments and stuff, my first year, as, as much as I wanted to, I thought it was best for me to kind of sit back on the basketball X's and O's side, just because I had so much to do with, like, actually the operations of the team. Yeah. That I didn't have my full footing yet. As time went on, obviously, I got a little more comfortable in the, into the second year. I started to speak up a lot more and had more of a role in the basketball aspect of it um my my primary role and what i was happiest about was was kind of individual workouts with our guys when i was there we my two years there i think we we sent five players to go play overseas basketball which isn't a small feat yeah um some schools don't send any guys so when i was there we sent five guys um and a lot of i'd, I'd like to think and i've heard from them that a lot of that was me specifically working with them individually one-on-one getting them ready for that like workouts after practice even after they'd graduate and left the team they would come back I would work them out every day um, and it goes back to the, the stuff at Oregon where I had experience being in those workouts with yeah. our coaches and yeah I was just rebounding and passing the ball but I was there and I was watching our coaches I was in the drills I was seeing what the drills were yeah. so I have that I have that experience to then take it to these guys and do it yeah so there's like drill you're like you'll see something that seems to work on like oh shit because a lot of it's one-on-one right when you're going to work out with these guys so yeah. like maybe somebody had a drill back at Oregon and you're like yo try this one or something if it's like yeah and then yeah. It, and then it was also just in in being in basketball my entire life I have I have a basketball mind to where I can I can see a player see what their flaws are and I know how to work on those flaws yeah so a lot of the time and I, I never told my players this but a lot of the times when we were doing workouts I would make up drills on the fly Really? Like, like I would have them doing a drill and I'd be like, oh, he needs to work on his left hand right now. What's a drill I can make up on the fly? And I would just have him do it because a lot of the, a lot of the time at the end of the day, the motions you're getting to is just to dribble and to shoot. It's like anything. It's repetition. Now yeah. you can do it a thousand different ways, but as long as you're doing it productively, it doesn't exactly matter how you get there. 
Yeah, so you'd recognize the weaknesses and then say, like, so so you had some control over what drills they were doing then? At Florida and m yeah. yeah. I mean, I was running the workouts with the guys. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. It was it was a really good experience, and I think I think so, I think being at FAMU and then being at Oregon and just basketball in general, it it helps you read people. I think it helps that with that a lot. So, okay, so also what I didn't realize until you kind of you had this position, it's so it's pretty much standard because I imagine the NBA. So, but like even at the collegiate level, like these guys can just text the managers whenever they want, right, mm. and be like, hey, I want to go shoot around, mm. and then you'll pop over and help them right yeah see that's like i that's uh, like i feel like that makes it so much easier to improve when you have resources like that because if you just go to the gym by yourself to shoot around i mean it's just if you just have an a ball and you're shooting like yeah it's practice but like yeah it's so much less efficient than having somebody else get your rebounds pass to you and like like you're getting so many more reps in in a shorter period of time i feel yeah. like if you when you have that and i didn't know that that it was like yeah, it's it, it's obviously different at, at at the lower level. So Florida and M and Oregon are polar opposites because they're both D one, but Oregon has way more money, way more resources, way more people, everything. Florida yeah. and M is is at the bottom. Oregon's at the top. So I saw both spectrums. What a uh, what conference are they in? The MIAC. Okay. Yeah, it's all it's all HBCUs in the South. Okay. Um, but the 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 thing that frustrates me from seeing both sides is. We had kids at Florida and that worked really hard, and they just didn't have resources to improve their game to where they could play at the next level, even though we did have some. Yeah. And then you look at – we had guys at Oregon who they got they got resources, they got people, they got everything they need, and they just don't want to, and they just flame out. So, you see, I'm sure – yeah, you probably get the guys that are, like, just prodigies when they're younger and then just, like, fuck it, I'm here to party. And you know, in the basketball team, you probably – girls come by a lot easier. and Yeah, I – yeah, every every per, every person is obviously different. We didn't, by and large, we had more guys that were driven because they but, knew, they mean, knew they could do it at Anna, but at Oregon as well. At 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 Oregon, at Oregon, we had more guys yeah. that were that were so driven because they they're that close. Like yeah. when you're that close, like it's you're easy, like it's easier to see it. the finish line. Yeah, yeah, it's easier to see the finish line. But it it's it's the same thing like you just said. Then there's some guys who are still that close and they have all those resources. And they just don't want to do it. Yeah. And so that's why it, it really frustrates me when, when I see kids at high levels. And it's if you don't want to do it, that's fine. Like, if that's not your dream, if that's not your goal, that's fine. But if your dream and your goal is to play college ba- or is to play professional basketball and you're at that high of a level and you don't do it, it's on you, man. Because everything, everything else is given to you. It's hard, too, because it's like it's such a short window that um, – to kind of be able to make it into the NBA, you know, you, there's you don't you don't hear a lot of stories about guys coming into the NBA like like or like who you know fucked off during college and then like at least I don't know a lot of stories of guys that make it like five years down the road when they start to get the shit, the shit together. Yeah, and, and that's that's the biggest problem too. I think the biggest problem is that everybody thinks they're going to the NBA. Yeah. Everybody. I mean, I, I would have guys at Florida and M. I mean, I still have guys that I talk with at Florida and M. I mean, they're at low D one. Like if they make it overseas, which there's a lot of overseas teams, it's it's difficult, but it's not nearly as hard. So these guys all are just like, I'm going to the NBA. I got I'm going I, to the NBA. I got I got guys who would be a blessing if they could play overseas. And like, oh, coach, I'm going to the NBA. I'm going to the NBA. And it's like guys, at a certain point But I, you got some of that attitude too, you know, showing up and saying you're gonna be the head coach of Oregon. 
Right, right, and I and I and I understand and I understand it. Yeah. The difference is, is that I was putting in the work and I was putting myself on that right right path. Yeah. And I think you have to, you absolutely have to have a goal. You have to have a dream, and you have to know what you want to do. But you have to be realistic about it, and you have to put yourself. Like in it's just not going to happen. It. So your issue wasn't with the guys that had that dream and were like actively pursuing. It's just more with the guys that were like saying that, and they're like fucking off and not putting in the work yeah but i also i also do think that you you have to it's it's tough because i know i know guys that work really hard and they will tell me like coach i want to go to the nba and i'm like that is great you should shoot for that but you also need to have a plan b aka playing overseas which is not a bad option you can make millions of dollars playing overseas you can have a great life playing overseas so you just you have to have a balance of here's my dream and I'm working as hard as I can to get there. But then also like what, like what, what is my plan of action if, if my life takes a different turn? Yeah, that, uh, there's definitely some merit to that. Although there's also been some guys with books I've read who've said, fuck a plan B. If you're not hundred percent all in, you're not making it because you'll give yourself that excuse when those moments come. I had, I had, uh, Dylan Ennis told me that. Dylan Ennis was a guy we had at Oregon. He told me that. He he's he he said he was like, you know what? Like I'm going to the league. Fuck fuck a plan B. I got my plan A. And I said, Dylan, that's awesome. But at the same time, like, it, for me, the way I view it is, you you can you can find a book or a quote that says anything that you want to believe, right? Yeah. You know, it's about finding yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's about finding something <laughs> that has meaning for you. you think know? of the think a thought. Somebody famous probably said it before. Yeah. Exactly. So. Exactly. So. I don't operate that way because that doesn't resonate with me. I know it resonates with some people, and if you mm-hmm. want to do that, that's great. And then the problem is, too, when you're looking at that, it's like, yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, yes, there are guys that have made it that had that attitude, but the problem is you kind of have this filter bias where it's like you you hear this from the guys that made it, and they said, yeah, this is why I made it, but you don't hear from any of the guys that, like, that was their attitude and then they still didn't get there yep. you know so it's like you there's this there's this bias in who's telling you that yep and it's really difficult to determine the percentage of the people that made it and had that attitude and then didn't make it because again you don't hear from anybody that didn't make it yeah and what, and what they and what they can determine is they can determine the percentage of college basketball players that make the nba i think it's like two or three percent so is that d1 it's all college. all college. So whether or not you have a good attitude, whether or not you put up a thousand shots a day, whether or not you do anything, you have around a three percent chance to make it to the NBA. Well, and you get guys that shine from the, these smaller schools too in the NBA that are just like stars. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, look at Dame from Weber State. I don't know. Yeah. They're but they're not. They're not. Yeah. They're not like a top school by any means. Like, yeah. Yeah, and it's like now he's one of the best players in the NBA. Yeah. So but, it's like. But that's that's one of the things that it's and, – and just for me being in college basketball for six years, and I know other guys have, have heard it and said it too, but everybody thinks they're going to the it's NBA. So funny. And you throw it's those, so you throw those percentages at them, you tell them to go play overseas, and some guys listen and some guys do it and they have great careers, and other guys, they just they, – they, they, they die trying to reach that star, and they're never going to get there. Well, what's so funny is like – I know I have this tendency where I, I have massive like, ambitions and stuff, and I mean, they're absolutely absurd. Like the things that I like want to do, like long term in my life. And then I'll have somebody else like tell me like a, like a similar level of ambition, and I'll be like, 
dude, that's ridiculous. Uh-huh. And but like, I'll feel, I'll feel that, and I'll be like, okay, hold on. There's a little bit of, uh, this is a little bit of an inconsistency here that I don't think this guy that I'm like not buying into this guy at exactly. all. Exactly. But that's exactly how I sound yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And 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 ambition is great, and Lord knows we both have a lot of it. And I and to to be perfectly clear, I have never told any of those players that I didn't think could make it. I'd never said you're not going to make it. I I had never sometimes said that. that I never that, will. Sometimes that'll fuel guys. I I, I but w- it has to be like it almost has to be from like a uh, like an adversary more so than like a trusted friend because a trusted friend says like look dude like I don't think this is you're cut out for this and I really think you should reconsider you're probably gonna take that into account and be yeah like, oh shit but if it's like you know somebody you've been like fighting with your whole time like you'll never fucking make it yeah and you'll be like fuck you I, I I made a point yeah. to never say that to any of our guys because I thought that. Especially as a coach, one of the most important things that we're supposed to do is believe in our kids. Yeah. And so that's that's what I would do. And I I would never say that. I would say, you know, shoot for that goal, go for it. Also take a look, you know, take a look overseas. Take a look at, you know, maybe another career. I'm not I'm not telling you to, to take your eye off the ball, but just see what else is out there. Well what's hard to see too is um the guys that have just unbelievable talent. Well one, the guys that okay, they have a lot of talent. But then they aren't working hard, and then they don't. Um, this is not just the scenario, but then they like don't actually do school too. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they just like skate by or whatever. Like they're just good on the team, so the kind of like exceptions are made for, yeah. for them. And and it's like, you know, what's the average NBA career for guys that make it? Around four years. Four. So yes. Yeah. Okay. Now you're 25. Yeah, you've made a couple million dollars, but you're also 21 when you started it, so you probably blew like all of it. And so like, okay, now you've got 40 year. Now you've got the rest of your life. It's like, did you get the college degree and can like go have a career now? Because we have a guy, we've got a guy at our, our work that was uh, he played for the Beavers. Um, his name's Gabe Miller, and uh, you know he's construction engineering, and then he went to the NFL. What, what I mean, like, he made it, right? He wasn't ever, like, a starter or anything like that, but I think he played for the Seahawks and then the, uh, and the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, but, now, yeah, now he's – but, like, he got his degree, and now he's working for Prolo Construction. He's got a solid career, and, like, <laughs> it was, like, it was great. But then I feel like you hear – but more often I feel like it's – I hear other – like, it's not always that way. People falling know. out. Yeah. What's interesting is that – and what I've heard a lot, more so for managers, I think, but just in general for college athletes is being a college athlete looks really good on a resume like that yeah. because it shows you can manage your time. That's true. It shows you can commit to tasks and finish them, and it shows that you have a good work ethic. Yeah. So kind of to what you're saying, like if you do get your degree and professional doesn't work out, that looks really good on a resume that you were a college athlete. I mean, shit, it's like feels like 90% of – who Nike hires is like athletes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's, but it's, I mean, it's a lot of it, I think, is those three things is that it just, it shows that you know how to manage your time, you have a good work mm-hmm. ethic, and you can complete tasks. And I think that that's, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what employers want. So what about, um, what about, uh, okay, so you're down in Florida. Was the, was the team like popular with the school? Like, where they have a lot of tenants at games and stuff? Not really. We had a we had a very big arena 
already yeah. in a sat like 10,000 people, which is huge when you look at this, the scope of where we're at as far as like we were a school that had no money. Yeah. We had this nice brand new arena. Um, we worked on getting fan support. At the end of the day, before we got there, they didn't win games. So nobody wants to go see a team that doesn't win. Yeah. By, by the end of our second season, we, we came close to 500 and we had a winning conference record. So we were Sweet. winning. So we were winning games, yeah. and we actually had two games on ESPN at one point. Nice. So people came to the games because we were yeah. winning and we were doing better. So we, we kind of built that up. But that just just like with any program, you have to build it up. Does he, does the uh, assistant coach get any pull with the girls at the school or zero? Just none. Zero. No, especially <laughs> especially. Um, don't you guys lose a lot? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's just it was it was. Why aren't you a coach at a team that's winning? It was it was different for me. I just had a really weird and interesting experience because I was the same age as all the students. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, shit, I just graduated and I was twenty four when I graduated. Yeah. So like. Yeah. So at, at the end of the day, it, it's very frowned upon in college athletics for obviously for coaches to sleep with students. But you're their age. Yeah, but it's just like it's just weird. Like you're like because I know you're not supposed to do it, and yeah. so I was just like, "Look, I, I'm just I'm not even gonna mess with that. Like that just sounds like mm-hmm. a whole can of worms. I don't want to get involved with." Um, so no, I I didn't I didn't if I had so you weren't pull, showing I didn't up and it. seeing the players at like parties and stuff. Absolutely, that's that that's my biggest fear. Yeah, because I mean, like, I mean, yeah, because you'd probably go to the same types of parties they're going to. So it's like you roll up and then it's like yeah. your players are getting hammered. I didn't. I didn't even do that at Oregon. Some some of our managers did. I know a lot of managers do. I didn't just because it's. I mean, one, it's like I'm with those guys all day. The last thing I want to do is go have a beer with them because we're together all the time, anyways. But then it's just I don't know. It's just weird. It's it's like I don't know. So sometimes I feel like, and I I'm usually very careful at work. Like our work has a lot of events where people are drinking and stuff, and I'm usually try to keep that fairly separate just because you never know. Yeah what everything's like and exactly it just you kind of, I kind of like to keep my own private private life but then there's also this part of it where it's like you'll know somebody for a while and maybe a business relationship and then it's like you kind of go get fucked up together and it kind of feels like you escalate <laughs> yeah. your relationship yeah you took it to the next yeah, level like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just got a little closer after that after that night of debauchery like feel yeah. a little feel a little tighter with you now yeah i can see that I just, from my experience, it would have just felt really weird. It's being a basketball coach. You have the most personal, professional relationship with people you can ever have. I mean, like I would tell my players, yeah. I love them. Like we know their families, like yeah. all that stuff. But it was very professional. Yeah, like you just see this one side of it. Yeah. Like, well, the, and the the other thing at the end of the day too is, especially in college, you're dealing with kids. Yeah. I mean, more than half our team is under 21, anyways. So you, I mean, you're dealing with kids. Yeah. So there's so many, I mean, especially now, there there were so many rules and regulations of, you know, our contact with the kids and stuff like that. And it's just, it's, it, it, it would have been a very bad and awkward situation. To be honest with you, if I would have gone out drinking with them, I probably would have gotten fired. Real, I mean, okay, yeah. so I think the manager thing would be different than the coaching, especially because, is, yeah. because when you're a coach, even though the, you're the same age, like there's a clear expectation that you're setting the example yeah and so it's like that's that's one that i wouldn't that i just wouldn't breach you know like 
especially when it's like part of a bigger organization too. Cause like I've always imagined, like, cause like I was trying to think of a relatable situation. Dude, if I was like, say like, say I own a company or something like, and I had my employees and if it was like, it was, it was all my thing. Like I'd absolutely take those guys out and go get fucked up. Yeah. Right. But then it's like, see, but that's different, I guess. Cause you're, if you're like taking them out compared to uh, like running into each other at the party you're going to together, you know, like, I don't know. It's different. It's kind yeah. of different. Yeah. I, I think, I think the other thing too, aside from the power dynamic is uh, for me at the end of the day, I got into college basketball to help the kids. I mean, yeah. that's why I got into it. And Which so is weird. Cause you're like their age, right? Got, yeah, yeah. Right. But, right. But, it, but it's still true. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I call them kids cause a lot, of, I mean, a lot of them act like kids too, but either way, but, uh, but part of that is is I mean this is this is what you have to understand is this is the, their parents this is the first time these kids have left home. Mm-hmm. So when you look that parent in the eyes and you say you need to trust me and have them come to my school, you're responsible for their kids now. Yeah. So so with that, I mean you have to like take it seriously and you have to be responsible for it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That 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 makes a lot of sense. So after you left Florida. Um, so was that just like a plan to your thing or did you get tired of it and decide you wanted to come back? No, it was, it, I, in a perfect world, I actually would have stayed there for longer. Yeah. Um, and I did think about leaving after my first year. Um, I had an offer to go somewhere else, but I, I wanted to stay to at least put two years in. Yeah. But just everything with the school and with, with the money and the issues that were going on, I, I just couldn't stay there another year. And, I knew I wanted to get out of the NCAA. I mean, yeah. the NCAA is just its own can of worms that I just don't completely don't agree with. So I knew I wanted to move on to NBA basketball, and so that was just kind of why I made the change after two years. So you've been here, and then, and then now, since you got back, what, like six months ago, or, or, or how long ago it was, but... I got back like a year and four months ago. Yeah, so, so now you've been working to get your in there, right? Yeah, so it's really been been tough and there's been a huge wrench thrown in it with with coronavirus and well that dude that fucks everything around. like yeah. i mean how could you do any i mean like for, for everybody yeah for everybody looking for a job no, i mean yeah shit i got friends that you know same as me pick mechanical engineering to be most employable as they could and they're like struggling to find jobs right now it's like mind-blowing it's like yeah like literally if we graduated three months ago it was it would have been like fucking go wherever you want pick any job and then it was like coronavirus and yeah i mean i was lucky that i'd already signed on and stuff but yeah it's nuts but then like basketball it's like there's so much less in that industry right now when you don't have fans showing up i mean it's it's all in the bubble yeah you know well for yeah for the nba so it's like just such a lower level of staff yeah it's way it's way less and what you gotta think about so there's there's 30 nba teams then there's 28 G League teams, like developmental teams mm-hmm. for those teams. So there's 58 teams. Typically, typically people stay on, so they add around. I would say they add around two to three people a year, roughly. Yeah. But now with everything going on, with the lack of money and everything, from what I've been hearing from people I know in the NBA, is they're actually they might have to cut spots. So they're not, they might not even be able to add. They might have to subtract. Jeez. So your your pool of a little over 100 just got way smaller. So, yeah. 
I'm not holding my breath. I'm working for a team in Paris, France right now. Um, and you're doing that remotely. I'm doing that remotely. So I've done all of that from, from Paris or from Portland, um, over to Paris. And it's, I mean, it's been fine. I was doing it remotely before coronavirus even happened. So we were doing zoom meetings from, from France to Oregon. And so what are you, and you're, are you doing recruiting for them? What are you doing? What are you doing for them? So right now I do international scouting. So international for them is U.S. scouting. So my job for the next couple of months is to build a board of around 100 players is, is my goal of college players. So in a couple of months, I would like to have a board that we can look through that has 100 players playing college basketball right now that we might be able to add to our team in the next one to five years or even 10 years down the road. The difference in international basketball and the NBA is that when you're in the NBA, your primary 95% of your scouting is in the United States. When you're international, 20% of your scouting is the United States and the rest is the entire world. Yeah. So at Paris, we have 10 to 12 guys on our team and we scout, I mean, to fill those 10 to 12 spots, we will scout 500 players. Jesus. So it's a lot. So did, did they, uh, probably not during coronavirus, but like if there's like players that are really interested and you think are close, like will they fly you out to go watch a game in person or? So I was supposed to, I was supposed to fly out there in May of last year. To Paris. Was, yeah, to Paris for a couple of weeks and obviously everything happened. Of last, well. 2020. Yes, 2020. Yeah, so this year, yeah. <laughs> yeah last May. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then obviously everything happened, so I didn't go out there. So right now we're talking about me going out there in, like, I think January or sometime around then. It's not It's not for me to see any players specifically. It's more for me just to get a feel because I, I still but haven't like, been over there. But typically if they did have you scouting and there was, like, somebody, say, in, like, I don't know, going to Texas Tech or something and they're, like, would they – and there's like somebody interested, would they have you go see a game there or, or is it like you if, can get if, enough if if yeah. we had if we had a lot of money yeah i mean we don't so i, I work for free i've been a volunteer for the last over okay. a year so yeah. it's just so i'm sure it's yeah because there's a lot of industries that are that, that i know that's kind of how like yeah. a lot of the music and art industry is it's like when you make your way in you're not you got to just take whatever position regardless if it's paid or not exactly yeah yeah, yeah. and so I, i've been working for free for them and it's been fine because i've learned a ton so i've yeah I've, they've they've paid me enough in what i've learned um but over nba teams will do that nba teams will fly you out um they don't really do that overseas it's more just i mean i just sit at home on my laptop and watch film all day that's really just it really yeah, yeah. it's just watching film just watching game film watching players that's really all it is yeah you come you come help me work on my jump shot form i can do that yeah. I can do, like i said trade I just, trade for your golf lessons yeah i need those i definitely <laughs> need those like i said too it's just about figuring out weaknesses so i'll see you shoot a basketball a couple times and we'll figure it out yeah it's not evan's worked with me some it's not pretty it's not <laughs> i can't evan evan had a great jump shot yeah evan's your, great. Co- your cousin had a phenomenal yeah. he still does he well still yeah does. I mean, we'd go shoot at the mac like all the time before we'd lift and then i was playing a lot actually i did um because i didn't really play i mean i Kind of quit organizing when I was young, did some rec in high school, and then. But my last term at college, I did like this competitive basketball class, which is just you just run five v fives for an hour twice a week, and then we then because then I I got into that because at work they do Friday morning basketball and it's like really competitive. Yeah. We have like well we had one guy said it was in the NFL, 
obviously just a freak athlete and then we had like two other guys that played like d3 ball yeah um so it's super competitive so i'm like fuck i need to like <laughs> i need to like get get my game better and i'm not that good but i can i can outrun everybody yeah i just out hustle well basketball is just like yeah. if if you just play hard and you just run like you you'll make a difference oh, like, it's, I, like no, you it's, would yeah. like you're i could see you being a good player uh, i don't know about that i mean i get i'll i get for the smallest guy on the court i'll usually get a few boards when we play in the morning yeah because I'll hustle for him. I'll get a steal or two and, and maybe a few fast break points and maybe knock down a three. I was going to say, you're, yeah. probably, you're probably good on defense because yeah. defense is like 90% effort. That's what everyone always says. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I get I, – I just – because <laughs> nothing else is going well, so I'm just like, I'm fucking locking this guy down. <laughs> whatever happens is whatever happens with this Although, guy. Although, like, I still can't figure out, like, if somebody sets a good screen on me, like, I'm just lost on where to go and who to defend. Like, the awareness thing is just not – Yeah. It's not there. It comes. It comes with reps. Yeah. And you just keep playing. Are you guys still playing on Fridays? Uh, we've got a couple guys that are trying to make it happen, but nobody's been RSVP. Nobody's been like saying they can show up. Just like outdoors. It's kind of died down with COVID. They were doing golf in the mornings on Fridays as a yeah. trade off for a little bit, but it's kind of a bummer because it's really fun. And it's like, yeah, we start at six, go to seven thirty or eight, and it's like. I mean, it's competitive. It's a good workout, yeah. too. Like, oh, you it's just really run, good. You're just running around. It's a good workout. It's good. I mean, yeah, we usually have, like, 12 guys, so you're playing most of the time. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's a winter sport, so dial it up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I know. I got I to gotta get my shot back down because they're, they're trying to get going. But then, like, we, we only have outdoor courts we can use, so that's going to be know. stopped being available pretty soon here. That's true. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, honestly, with the – I feel like with the coronavirus things should be a lot more um you know go at your own risk than they are yeah like uh if our, if like we had 12 guys that were like hey you know cases are pretty low here you know one of the best things to prevent coronavirus is to be in shape you know i think we're weighing <laughs> our pros and cons the basketball is doing more good than harm mm-hmm. <laughs> hey if you guys need a 10th just let me know yeah they we, yeah they do uh there are a few guys, buddies that um, show up. It's mostly like the VPs and stuff, but we pull rank. There's a, there's a, there's a couple. Yeah, I, I have, I have no, <laughs> have rank. no rank. I have no rank. <laughs> Just zero. <laughs> it's fun though. It's good, man. Basketball is just a good. It's just a good sport. It's just a good sport to learn like stuff. Like even if you're playing it, just like at a rec league. Oh, I mean, I love. I mean, I'll, I'll play. I'll probably play for a long time. It's just great exercise and it's yeah. fun and yeah. Well, man, I think um, I think we've covered our bases pretty good here. Thanks for coming on, Patrick. No worries, man. Appreciate you having me. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll have more episodes for you next week.